0: Good morning to all of my friends at home, and to all my friends uh, out in the world that are watching today. Thank you, (laughs) like we have a world-renowned ministry, but we do have some folks from other places that are watching, and that's awesome. And today we're talking about temptation and something that everybody faces. And we're we're in this series called G Harmony, and we're looking at uh, stories of Jesus's life from Matthew, Mark, and Luke mostly. And this one finds its way into all three: the temptation of Jesus. And we all have these moments of temptation. And uh, it's like the little the story of the little boy. He, uh, he'd been saving up. This is an old story, and I know it because he's saving up for something, and we don't save up for stuff much anymore. But little boy was saving up for a new baseball glove, and he had almost uh, saved up enough to buy his glove. And he prayed a little prayer, and he said, Lord, help me get the last little bit of money for my baseball glove and keep the, the ice cream truck from coming down my street because he knew that he was going to be tempted by that. And temptation is one of those things that uh, none of us like to face, but it is inevitable. And I heard this story the other day about in 1999 off of Cape Cod, Massachusetts, there was a run of tuna. The tuna kind of came in close enough, 30 miles off the coast, that it, just anybody could go fish for them. Now, typically they're not that close and typically they're not biting, so uh, just regular ordinary fishermen, just regular ordinary guys decided they were going to go try to, to snag some tuna because there was great profit to be had. Uh, the story reads that there were some buyers who were offering up to $50,000 for one bluefin tuna of a, a certain size. So if you you hooked a big one, I mean, it was going to be worth your, your while. And Coast Guard was warning people not to go out there. It was dangerous. It's not as easy as it seems. And what's really interesting, it's not catching the tuna that's the problem. It's getting it in the boat. And there were several boats that were capsized because the tuna was so big, they couldn't, like 26, 27-foot boats couldn't contain the tuna. There was one story about a boat called Official Business. It was 28 feet long. It, It Hooked a, a six hundred pound tuna, and the tuna simply took it underwater, which is a kind of a metaphor for temptation. It it sounds good, it sounds appealing, and we get in the middle of it. And there's a time where we say to ourselves, "I have bit off more than I can chew," and that happens a lot of times with temptation. And so today we're going to look at this story. It's found in Luke. At three places, but it's found specifically today. We're going to read in Luke chapter 4 about the temptation of Christ. And I'm going to read it, and then uh, we're going to kind of break it down. So if you would just listen, and uh, I'll, I'll read it. By the way, here's my slide for uh, tackling temptation. I like this uh, this stained glass a lot. Um, wouldn't it be nice if Satan actually showed up in uh, w- with wings on, and you kind of knew he was tempting you? But here's what I found about temptation in my own life. It doesn't sneak up on me. I kind of know when they're going to happen. I recognize them when they happen. And I still have to deal with them. And Jesus had to deal with them. And that's sort of the point of today's story is that Jesus in his humanity dealt with the same things we deal with. And he was able to overcome temptation. And we're able to overcome temptation. And Jesus sort of shows us how to do this. Now what's really interesting about this story, and I really am going to read it in just a second. What's really interesting about this story is, this is one of the only stories in Scripture where uh, there wasn't an eyewitness. Uh, Jesus would have had to tell Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or at least tell at one time and everybody be there, for for anybody to know this even happened. And there are people who say, well, there's no personal uh, Satan. Well, yeah, evidently there is, because or at least Jesus encountered the devil himself in person. And he has this encounter, and he's tempted. And yet Jesus shows us how to overcome temptation. We're going to look at it. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. This is chapter 4, verse 1, Luke. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Again, Jesus in his humanity, just like us. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone. The devil led him up on a high place and showed him all uh, in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it is mine. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So, if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem. Never, he's like, he is not going to give up. Third time, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, and Satan quotes scripture, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. All right, so let's kind of break it down in bite-sized chunks. What what are we dealing with here with Jesus' temptation? Well, look at this slide. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at uh, at the end of them he was hungry. So Jesus tells his friends about this encounter. Now it's not bragging. I mean, have you ever encountered braggers? There was a guy from Ohio and he was bragging one time and he said, you know, did you know the first man in, uh, uh, in flight was from Ohio and the first man to orbit the earth was from Ohio and the first man on the moon was from Ohio and the other guy, the other guy said, seems like everybody's trying to get out of Ohio. So sometimes bragging doesn't work. I, Jesus wasn't bragging here. I think he was telling us, hey, I've encountered temptation too and this is what you do when you encounter temptation. Look, when it comes to a problem, I don't need a theorist, I need a practitioner. I don't want somebody that thinks they know what to do, I want somebody that knows what to do. I want an expert to if you're going to have heart surgery, do you want the uh, the guy who has read about it or do you want the guy that's performed two thousand surgeries you want this is easy you want the guy that's done it a few thousand times to open up your heart and and so Jesus wanted us to know, look i've gone through the same things you go through when it says he was hungry, well sure he was hungry because in his humanity he was just like us, and sometimes we get this silly notion that Jesus didn't go through the same things we go through, and we sing these songs, there's a Christmas song, The Little Lord Jesus, No Crying He Makes. Yes, he did. He cried, he dirtied his diapers, I mean, he did all the things that every baby does. We get this idea that Jesus was some kind of, you know, beaver cleaver, and if he skinned his knee, he just said, oh, golly, wally, and, and, or, or he never drove a nail crooked because he was a carpenter. I don't think it's any of that jesus in his humanity dealt with temptation just like we do except he did not sin and so it gives us hope he got through temptation and we can get through temptation and in hebrews it says jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are but he did not sin and sometimes we just need to know hey Jesus went through, has gone through, and is with us even when we're going through difficult times. I'm going to tell you the truth. One of the, the greatest things that you can have in your life is someone to go through difficulty with um, in, in marriage. I mean, I've loved having Miriam beside me because it has helped me get through some of the darkest times. When my dad died, uh, Miriam was right there. I needed her right there. And when her dad died, hopefully I was a comfort to her. We need one another. We need to walk through these things together. And Jesus has gone through temptation just like us. And so when we're in temptation, when we're encountering that, Jesus knows what we're going through. Now, uh, today's lesson, usually there's like two or three points, three or four points. Today there's seven points. So we're going to kind of get after it right away. First point is this. Observations about temptation, number one, they strike everyone, even Jesus was tempted. Sometimes we get this notion, if I'm close enough to the Lord, I won't face temptation. Well, was there anybody closer to the Lord than Jesus, yet he faced temptation? And sometimes we think, well, if I'm facing temptation, I must be out of God's will. Jesus was perfectly in God's will. He had just been baptized. You'll recall this, right? He had just been baptized and he came out of the water of baptism, and it's a voice from heaven, this is God, he said, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Jesus wasn't out of God's will, he was in God's will, and yet still he was tempted. Temptation in God's will, it's not God's will for us to be tempted, but God uses these trials to build our strength spiritually. And so Jesus wasn't out of God's will, and if, if you're tempted, that's not a sign of your closeness to God or distance from God, Jesus was tempted and was certainly close to God and certainly in God's will. The second thing is this. Uh, temptations often follow peak experiences, just like Jesus. I mean, he'd just been baptized. He heard a voice from heaven. This is my son whom I love, and you I'm well pleased. I mean, this was a, a big moment. And we see it over and over in Scripture where uh, There is a valley after a mountain peak experience. Let's take Elijah, for example. Elijah encounters 850 prophets on the top of Mount Carmel. He defeats them, and immediately he hears that Jezebel, the queen of the country, has put a hit on his life, and he goes from really, really high to really, really low, and he runs for his life. A lot of times it's called a post-adrenaline letdown. Uh, Women experience it many times after birth, postpartum depression. Uh, you'll see a Cinderella team who has a great victory, but they struggle the next time out. Pat Riley, who was a great coach at, uh, at for the Miami Heat and then general manager, he actually played at the University of Kentucky, so I'm fairly certain that's why he was a great coach. Anyway, Pat Riley wrote a book, and the book's uh, title was The Winner Within, and he talks about in this book how difficult it is for an NBA, uh, NBA team once they win a championship to win a second championship, because... You've got to get, kind of get up again and you have to train again and you have to do all the things you did before and maybe even more and now you're the target and it's difficult. Benjamin Franklin one time said, success has ruined many a man. And here we have Jesus who goes from inauguration to temptation and it was immediate. He was baptized. The voice of God says, this is my son whom I love, in him I'm well pleased. And it says Jesus immediately goes into the wilderness and was tempted. And there's a principle here. Big success is often soon followed by big testing. Big success is often soon followed by big testing. And so we, we have to be careful. If we're living large and everything's going our way, um, beware because there's likely a temptation coming and we have to really really be careful for that part of dealing with temptation is recognizing when they come we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second number three they attack us where we're most vulnerable now look at this verse three then the devil said to him if you are the son of god tell these stones to become a loaf of bread Satan tempts Jesus. He, he doesn't say, Hey, Jesus, let's cheat on your taxes, because that wasn't the temptation at the time. Hey, Jesus, let's uh, be sassy with your parents. Not the temptation. Jesus was hungry, so the thing he tempted him with was food. Uh, this is what big box stores do this all the time. When you're at a checkout line, what are, what's right here? candy bars, right, and little flashlights, and and you might find batteries there and mints and things like that. You know what you never find at the checkout line? Carrots and kale. You never impulse buy carrots and kale. They just don't put it there because it doesn't make any sense. They want to tempt you with something that you might buy. Okay, well, so Satan tempts Jesus where he is most vulnerable at the time, and that was hunger. Now, at the time is important sometimes um, I'm tempted by this, and at other times I might be tempted by that. And so Satan hit him where it hurts. He tempted him at his most vulnerable spot. That's what he does. There's a a magazine called Discipleship Journal, and they did a survey of Christians' uh, Christian's greatest spiritual challenges. And these are the places we're most tempted. And number one, uh, according to the survey, was materialism. Interesting. So we've been in this pandemic, and we're all sitting at home, and we have computers, and I just wonder how much online shopping has been going on, because when we're bored, we have to do something, and and I think materialism probably is really, really bad for us. Pride, self-centeredness, laziness, really interesting. Anger, and bitterness, and lust, and envy, and gluttony, and lying, and what's super interesting about this article, it talks about um, when the temptations are most potent, and a couple of a couple of times really rose to the top. One is when a person has neglected their time alone with God. They've not been reading scripture, they've not been praying, and so they've not been developing their relationship with God, and so temptation seems to hit them worse than The other one is when they're tired, which I don't know about you. I mean, in my most honest moment, the times I am most likely to fall into sin or to say something i don't want to say is when i'm tired and i have to really really watch that. and so again in this article, it's a good article. It talks about how do you get over these temptations? What what do you do to help resist temptation? Oh, the first number one was prayer, avoid the situation, study your bible, just go read a little bit and be accountable to someone else. There's a guy by the name of Jerry Kirk. He founded a, an organization called Religious Alliance Against Pornography. And he tells a story about this time he, was, he travels a lot and he gets to speak. and um, he, Again, he's an advocate against porn and, and what that does to families and how it breaks up families and hurts children and that sort of thing. And he was in a motel room. He tells a story about being in a motel room. And he was trying to find the World Series on his television. And as he was changing channels, there was a channel that came up and there were scantily clad women on this channel. And he, he hovered longer than he should have. And then he went on to the baseball game. But he said he found himself coming back several times to that channel. And it was disheartening. He, he was talking about I me. And I, I have started an organization against pornography. And here I am tempted by the very thing I'm fighting against. And I, I love his honesty in this story because he writes it in such a way where he says, you know, He's praying, and he asks God to forgive him. And I don't know how the Lord speaks to you, but some, it's never an audible voice for me, but my spirit, I hear him in my spirit. And Jerry talks about what God said to him. He says, Jerry, I'm not surprised by your sin. I've known all along you're a sinner. I've known all along that you're weak. I needed you to know that you were weak. And I need you to know that I alone will make you strong. That's a great quote temptation will never hit us where we're strongest. It will always hit us where we're weakest. In football, and I'm hoping that college football and pro football come back this fall. I hear good things about that, and I'm really hopeful that we can kind of enjoy football again this fall. But here's what I've seen strategy-wise in a football game. Let's say I'm the offense and, and I've got a great wide receiver and there's a defensive back on him. If that defensive back gets hurt, the first stringer, the guy that's best, if he gets hurt and they replace him, if it's the pros with a rookie or if it's in college with you know, a first-year guy, the very next play, if, if the offensive coordinator is bright at all, he will throw the ball at that guy because he's unproven. He's untested. He's the weak link. And that's where Satan attacks us. He attacks us at the weak link. And so if my weakness is ice cream, I probably should avoid going to the frozen food section. If my weakness is the secretary, I probably shouldn't walk by her desk. We have to avoid the situations. We have to understand they're going to, we're going to be most tempted where we're most weak. Number four, these temptations are deceptive by nature. Look, look at, uh, I'm going to read a couple of texts here. The devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. Look at the next. For the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Satan quotes scripture. Here's what I know about scripture. As we see here, it can be manipulated to say just about anything you want it to say. Here, Satan is manipulating Scripture to say what he wants it to say. Now, Jesus is smarter than this. He knows Scripture better than this. He's the author of Scripture, so he's not t- uh, Satan's not telling me something he, he doesn't already know. But again, it's sort of... The temptation here is, hey, you don't really need to go to the cross. You can still have the kingdom. You don't have to go to the cross to get to the kingdom. He, he's going to tempt him with that. More than once. I I read about an insurance salesman. And he talked about his strategy of closing the sale. And he would he's a life insurance salesman. So he would get the wife and kids in the room with the dad. And he would explain what it costs and that sort of thing. And if they said no, at the end of the pitch, he would say something to the effect of, in front of the wife and kids, are you telling me that your family isn't worth 50 cents a day? It, It is... Quite a brilliant strategy because there is a shaming aspect to it. And Satan will, he'll say stuff like this. Well, you know God wants you to be happy and doing this thing will make you happy. Therefore, it must be God's will for you to do this thing which is going to make you happy because certainly God doesn't want you to be unhappy, right? And this is the kind of thought process that we get into. Well, yeah, sure, God wants to be happy. Understand something about happiness. God wants you to be holy, which will lead to real happiness. He, he doesn't substitute fake happiness for real happiness. And he's not going to do that. But this is the kind of stuff, we, we try to justify things in our mind. My goodness, I've done it a million times. And temptation often is just a cheap substitute. Let me show you a couple more verses. Then the devil took him, Jesus, up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. I'll give you uh, the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me, which is utterly ridiculous because in Colossians it says all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. And Satan is good at this. He's had lots of years of experience. I read about an old country pastor, and he comes home, and he finds a receipt for a $250 dress that his wife has bought. And he is just so disappointed. And he goes to his wife, and he says, Honey, you know our budget. How how could you do this? We can't afford this. Why in the world would you buy a $250 dress? And she said, Honey, I was... I was just in the store, and I was looking, and the dress was so beautiful. I thought, why would it hurt to try it on? And I tried it on, and it was as if Satan was whispering in my ear, you look great in that dress. And the preacher said, but honey, you know what you're supposed to do when you hear the whispers of Satan. You say, get behind me, Satan. And she said, I did that. And he said, that dress looked good from back there too. This is the kind of, Satan is just relentless when you see this story, he doesn't approach Jesus just once with food. Well, the food thing didn't work, so I'm going to try another approach. And that doesn't work, so I'm going to try a third approach. Satan offered Jesus the kingdom without the cross. Hey, let's bypass the, uh, what, ultimately where you want to go. Let's just bypass the cross to get there. And Satan will say, hey, 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 hey. You don't have to go through all the struggle to get here. Uh, If you want, uh, I'll take an example here, Um, if you want this, uh, let's say this uh, high dollar item, you you don't have to save for it, just buy it on credit and pay 9 million uh, installments. And and we live in a world where we can do that. Satan tempts us with those things. Bypass the struggle to get to what you want. And a lot of times the struggle helps us appreciate what we want. And when we get there, we appreciate it more because we've had to struggle to get it. My favorite point of the day is number five. Temptations don't last forever. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I I read an interesting story about a young lady named Lexi Fowler. She lives in southern Montana. And she is a sheep herder. She's a sheep person, a sheep um, she has sheep, she has lots of sheep, she's a sheep rancher, that's the word I was looking for. She had a, a lot of difficulty with coyotes, and so she tried lots of things. You know, you can, there are sprays that are supposed to keep coyotes away, and that, they didn't work. She was losing as many as 50 lambs a year to the coyotes. Coyotes are, they are um, opportunists, and they'll see a lamb off by itself, and that's the ones they'll attack. They, they don't really attack the herd. And so Ms. Fowler was sort of at a loss to know what to do to protect her, her sheep. And then she discovered that if you put llamas in the field with the sheep, the coyotes are scared of the llamas. And this is why. This, I didn't know this until I read this article. Llamas don't really show fear much of anything, from much of anything. And so if a coyote shows up, uh, the sheep kind of cower and they run away. Not the llamas. They stand tall and they walk toward the coyote. And and it's as if they're saying, I'm not scared of you. And when Satan tempts us, we need to understand something. This temptation isn't going to last forever. It, It just doesn't last forever. That's the good news. There's a bad side to this too, which is number six. They don't leave forever either. This verse, I don't know if you noticed it when we were reading it earlier, but when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Until the next opportunity came and we will have victory over temptation and we will think that we have arrived and we have not arrived because there'll be another temptation sometimes and again often it's right after we've had some kind of a victory temptation satan continued to tempt jesus he will continue to tempt us you never get to a point where you're beyond temptation unfortunately that's true they don't last forever they don't leave forever either and how do we defeat them? Well, the best way is by using God's word. Uh, one, of the, one of the kind of a cornerstone verses in scripture is Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word is always the first defense. Did you notice that every time Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. That was his first line of defense every time. So my practice in my life is to get up uh, at uh, whatever time. When I get up, uh, the first thing I do, I, I make a cup of coffee and I read my Bible. That That's my go-to for my life because I want to begin reading God's Word and letting it help me. And, and I'll have a little pan, uh, pad of paper and a pen, and, and I get ideas. I mean, these are things I need to do for the day, and I'll write those down and I'll go back to God's Word because that, for me is the best way to understand what God wants me to do and to fight temptation. You'll recall that Jesus said, Away from me, Satan, when these temptations were coming. And then uh, Jesus replied, The Scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Again, every time he would go back to Scripture, Hey, this is what the Scripture says we're supposed to do. I read a really kind of funny, interesting story New York City has a large population, and they have a large population of people who have a lot of pets, millions of pets in New York City. And there's not like, like if I had a pet and it died, I would put it in the backyard and dig a little grave. They really can't do that in New York. It's concrete and steel, and there's not a lot of places to do things like that. And so the, the city charges kind of an inordinate amount of money for, for them to come dispose of your pet. And one particular woman saw this as an opportunity to um, start a business. And so she put an ad, uh, put it on, posted it on Facebook, that she would dispose of your dead pet at half the cost of what the city was going to charge, which is amazing if you think about it. And this was her strategy. Um, she would go to Goodwills or places like that, and she would purchase um, old suitcases uh, for little or nothing, five bucks or whatever. And she would come to your home and she would delicately and respectfully place your uh, deceased animal in this little suitcase and she would carry it out. And then she would get on the subway and she would set it down where there are thieves and people would steal them. And this is how she disposed of these animals. Somebody would steal it. And uh, temptation's are a lot like that. It looks good until you open it up. And then there's a whole lot, uh, it, it kind of stinks inside. And temptations, we give them to them and if we're not careful, they're not nearly what we thought they were going to be when we get to the end of the line. Two words for temptation, and we're going to kind of end with this. Um, piradzo and dokibmezo. Two words. The first word is kind of a, has a negative connotation. This is a testing or attempting with the idea that Um, there's going to be something negative. Uh, Let's say I have a tumor and I need a biopsy. That's the first word. Uh, A testing of this tumor to see if it's bad. And the idea is I need to test because I'm afraid that it's going to be bad. The other word, docemizo, is more of a positive. That would be I'm making spaghetti sauce and I taste it. The notion is I'm going to taste it and it's going to be positive. And there's these this great verse in 1 Peter that talks about our testing and how God wants wants us to learn from our testing. And it's this. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Teachers give tests to see how you're doing. Are you picking up the knowledge? Are you internalizing it? Is it becoming your own? Are you owning the knowledge? And sometimes we go through difficulties and tests and trials and temptations to see if we're owning the knowledge. This is not a bad thing. Testing comes from outside. Temptations come from the inside. And I want to end with this, because this is truth that you need to understand. You can resist temptation. Jesus showed us how. Understand when they come, understand what's their cause, and then be aware of the fact that you can resist temptation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this lesson today. We're thankful that Jesus showed us the way to to triumph over temptations in our lives. We're thankful, God, that you give us the strength and the ability and the example to do these things we want to walk closely with you we want to be as in the very best relationship we can be with you help us to do that we pray in Jesus name amen